Welcome to the Nashville Vineyard Podcast. For more information, please check us out at www.nashvillevineyard.org. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you have a great day. Hey church, it is great to be with you today. I am excited to be joining you from Utah. Uh, For those of you who may not know me, my name is Scott. I used to be a pastor with Nashville Vineyard, Uh, but a few months ago, Pastor Grant and the team prayed over my family and I and sent us out as we began our long trek westward to Utah. So for a number of years, my family and I had been feeling like God was leading us here. And I'll tell a little bit more of that story um, later on. But um, last fall, we sensed that the timing was right. Uh, And so this spring, we started moving through the details of, of selling our home and doing those things and heading out west. And so here we are in Utah. We are excited to be here. We've been here for a week and a half and wanted to give you just a a bit of a praise report really on how faithful our god is he is so incredible and never ceases to amaze me but this whole trek from heading out from selling our house all of these details has been just incredible we sold our house when my wife was eight months pregnant and moved out We have gone step by step throughout in our move. Obviously, you prayed over us a couple months ago. We've been trekking across. We stopped in Ohio, in Illinois, near Chicago. We spent some time in Denver, um, and then we got here to Salt Lake City. And like I said, God has just shown up. Um, It crazy stories. For example, um, we were in Ohio and about to get ready to head to a different city in Ohio, just the next leg on the trip. Um, We're gonna go spend a short period of time in that city. And I'm packing up the car, I'm finishing up, I am about ready to put like the last suitcase in so that we can go. And this person pulls into the driveway and hands me money. And she looked at me and she said, I was driving past, and I'm only doing this in obedience, but I was driving past and God spoke to me and told me that I needed to come and give you money for gas. So here you go. I mean, those are the types of things that I have read about, heard about, and never experienced like that. How incredible is our God? Um, and even when we got to the city we were going to, that further city in Ohio, it was Columbus. We get there and uh, through a series of circumstances, we needed to go pick up some cleaning supplies in Target. It's a long story. But um, the short version is we needed to pick up some cleaning supplies in Target. We went straight to the cleaning supply aisle in Target, or we're walking straight there. And in Columbus, there was one person that I really wanted to see. I'd reached out to him. I'd tried to get in touch with him, letting him know that we were going to be there, but I hadn't been able to. And who do you think walks by us? Not him, his wife. He says, Scott. She goes, Scott Williams? And it was so incredible. We got to have dinner at their house that night and spend so much time with them. So those are two small stories of a number of them, 
of things that God has done. We got to spend amazing time as a family. We got to spend time with the extended family as well. Got to preach the gospel in parks in Denver and just travel and experience a little bit of the United States where we were heading out here. Now, since we've been here, we've been settling in, but we've also been praying into what's next. Um, as we talked about when we got prayed out, we didn't have a clear or firm vision as to what was next once we got here, but we were coming in obedience to the Lord. And as such, we got here and we kept praying and asking for clarity. And we still don't know all of what it is. But you know, Jesus is, is really clear about things that we can all do. We can all love God. We can all display our love for Him in prayer, in scripture reading, in devotion, in worship, in spending time with Christian community. And we can all love our neighbor and sow seeds of light and be, um, as Jesus basically calls us, ambassadors for the kingdom or lights in the world so that people can know the gospel of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And so getting here, that's what we decided to do. Out here in Salt Lake City, Utah, you may know, there's a large population of people from the Latter-day Saint uh, movement, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, or Mormonism, uh, LDS as it's called. And these people have an idea of who Jesus is, but don't understand the fullness of who he is as Lord of Lords, God of Gods, King of Kings. They don't understand the Trinity and the importance of Father, Son, and Spirit being one. And so in that, there's great opportunity to share with them about the greatness of the grace of God. And as such, I am working on organizing a small group with people who are either currently a part of the LDS faith or who come out of that faith and background and desire to have discussions about Jesus, both doctrinally and practically, to be willing to disagree and my heart, my prayer, is that I would be sowing seeds, that I would be telling, getting the opportunity to tell people about Jesus so that they might come to a more accurate knowledge of Him and a closer relationship in following Him as well. And I'm sure that I'm going to learn and grow as I do this also. So if you could pray with us, not only for continued clarity as to what we should do now that we're here, but also just for that group. Um, as of today, we've been here a week and a half. I have two people of the LDS background who are willing to meet with me in that regard. One of them I just met this morning. So that would be fantastic. We covet your prayers, we love your prayers, and we appreciate them. Today, I'd like you to take your Bible if you have it, or your phone, or whatever, and turn to Exodus 15. And Exodus 15 comes on the heels of a lot. And we're going to read these two verses. We're going to pray, kind of unpack some of the context and talk about what it looks like for us to follow Jesus when the road isn't always clear. So Exodus 15, then Moses and the sons of Israel sang this song to the Lord and said, I will sing to the Lord for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. You see, this is this beautiful song 
that takes place just after some of the huge events of the exodus of the children of Israel from Egypt. And we're going to dive into that, but like I said, I'd like to pray first. Lord God, we exalt you. We extol your name. We love you and we thank you. God, I ask that your scripture would speak to us today and that we would understand how to better follow you when things aren't as clear as maybe we would always like them to be. Lord, thank you that you are faithful in all things. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you're not familiar with the story, I'm going to recap it to get catch us up to speed. So what's happened here is that the children of Israel had been enslaved in Egypt through a series of events. And God's desire is that they would get back to the land that he had promised their ancestors, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And as a result, he calls Moses and Aaron to lead the people out of slavery. He doesn't give Moses all of the details all at once, but tells him to go to Pharaoh, to tell him, thus says the Lord, let my people go. And so Moses does this. And each time scripture says that God hardens Pharaoh's heart and he refuses to let the people go. Or for a minute, he'll say, yeah, sure, I'll let your people go. And then he'll change his mind. And so as a result, each time that Pharaoh says no, a plague comes on the children of Israel. These culminate with the Passover. And it's this time where the God instructs the children of Israel to slay a lamb, to take its blood, put it on the doorposts of their homes, to stay inside, and then to cook and eat the lamb. And as they do this, they will be protected because... Uh, each of the firstborn in any of the houses that isn't marked by this blood on the doorpost will be, uh, the firstborn will be dead. So they do this and then Egypt is like, go, get out of here now, please leave. And scripture even says that the children of Israel plundered them that they gave them gold and silver and things that they would need for this time. So they leave and it's really interesting. It fascinates me the way that God leads his people. You'd think that the fastest direction, well, it's true that not you'd think that the, the best way to get between any two points or the fastest way is a straight line. But instead of having the people go up to straight through the land of the Philistines and back into the promised land, God has them go a different way. And chapter 13 of Exodus tells us that he does this because he knows that if they experience war, they'll turn around and go right back into slavery and into bondage. They'll backslide into it. And then in chapter 14, God has them change direction again and basically leads them in a way that it scripture says it would look to Pharaoh like they were wandering in the wilderness, like the wilderness had defeated them. And so as a result, Pharaoh gets in his chariots, takes his army and goes after them. So here the children of Israel are, they're on basically trapped on one side 
you have the Red Sea. This is water, a movable body of water. And then on the other side, you have Pharaoh's army barreling down on them. And in the middle, you have the children of Israel who are understandably afraid, concerned, unsure of what is going to happen next. And Moses goes before God and he says, God, what do I do? And the Lord simply says, put up your hands and watch what I will do. And the water split and the ground dries and they walk forward on dry ground. And then as Pharaoh's army comes and tries to pursue them, the water comes crashing down upon the army of Pharaoh. And the children of Israel are delivered and they sing this song. I will sing to the Lord for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. This is my God and I will praise him. My father's God and I will extol him. You see, in the midst of immovable objects, an army and a body of water, God moved because God is faithful to his people. He had made a promise to their ancestors that he would keep this land for them, that that land would be theirs. And he was faithful to the promise that he had made. And as a result, he led them in this way. He knew that going to Philistine, straight to the land of the Philistines would drive them back. But he also wanted not only the Israelites to know that he was the Lord God of all, but he wanted the Egyptians to know as well. And so here he sets the stage. And man, in doing so, he puts these Israelites in an uncomfortable situation. But oh, the glory he gets, the praise, the honor, the recognition that he is Lord and he is God. It is undoubtable as he defeats the army in a way that only he could. Now, you and I might never have been in slavery. We might never have been led to a body of water on one side with an army charging in on us on another. But we've certainly been in places that we shouldn't have been. I was raised in a religious organization that called itself Christian, but really wasn't. I mean, Jesus was there as savior, but he wasn't there for me as Lord. So in a way, like he was just kind of like off to the side. We talked about him. He was a great person, a prophet, but he wasn't Lord. He wasn't God. And I was raised in this organization and it had been my goal from a young age to lead within this group of people. I went through a training program with my wife just to be able to do that. And we led and we led um, congregations of theirs, both in Florida and in the DC metro area. I was on my way to achieving my lifetime goal of being in full-time you know, ministry with this organization. And the Lord pulled me out of that, pulled us out of that. There was a day that my wife and I came to this realization that we didn't know Jesus, and that was a problem. It was like this left turn, this detour, just as, you know, it seemed like the straightest plate way is a straight line. 
Well, God said, no, I'm taking you sideways. You think your dreams are here. I'm going to take you this way in order to get you to the dreams that I have for you. And over a period of time, which what to some people on the outside may have seemed like uh, spiritual wandering, and to us on the inside felt like free falling with Jesus, full of anxiety and fear and uncertainty as to what was next, calling into question everything that we thought we knew and everything we thought we were sure of and the place that we had dedicated our life to. You know, I wasn't at the end of this or at the critical juncture, if you will. I wasn't between a Red Sea and death, but I was between this organization that had been my life and my dream and the death of all of those things. I had uncertainty on one side and the ending of the life that I had known and pictured on the other. Jesus was this uncertainty. And just like the children of Israel had to take a step out onto that, you know, they didn't just, you know, all of a sudden get to the other side. They had to actually step onto that dry ground that once was water and trust that God would be faithful Likewise, I had to do that. It got to this juncture where I had to submit my resignation from the congregation, or we, my wife and I, had to submit our resignation from the congregation we were leading. That was an uncertain step, but we took it. As a result, we lost some friends. We lost, uh, like I said, my dream. But oh, what we found in Jesus. Oh, how he has met us in this wandering, if you will. It was shortly after that that we found a beautiful church in the Northern Virginia area that helped nurture us, helped us to heal, and provided us a place to serve. We grew and started praying into what God had for us. And that's when I started to get visions and dreams and words about Salt Lake City, Utah, and coming here. Well, we were full steam ahead towards headed to, heading towards Salt Lake City when all of a sudden another detour. We headed to Nashville and it was there that we got to interact with, meet, serve alongside, be poured into and pour into the folks here at Nashville Vineyard and how grateful we are for that. Again, the straight line probably would have caused all sorts of problems, but God detoured us to, to Nashville and now here we go. But I want to encourage you today. There's probably, though it may look different than the uncertainty that has been in my life, there's uncertainty in the world all around us. Whether it's the Delta variant of COVID, the political situation in the U.S. and around the world, whether it's the droughts, the wildfires, whatever else may be going on for you, it might be a job situation. It might be a diagnosis from a doctor. It might be you just don't know what the next step is with Jesus. I want to encourage you with three quick things. Number one, number one, read the Gospels. I'd encourage you to spend time specifically in the Sermon on the Mount. 
Because when we don't know what to do, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount provides us with an example of what the kingdom of God looks like. Matthew chapter 4, right before the Sermon on the Mount begins in chapters 5, 6, and 7, tells us that these are the teachings that Jesus did in regard to the gospel of the kingdom. And so if we're not sure what our place in the kingdom of God should look like, we can look at Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7 and see that there are all these things that we can be doing. This is how we should relate to our neighbors. This is how we should relate to one another. This is how I should relate to my treasure. Should I build it up for myself here or should I build up treasure in heaven and things of that nature? So spend time in the Gospels, specifically in the Sermon on the Mount, and see what Jesus says about the kingdom of God and start acting like that. If you're unsure of what's next, of where to go, if you feel like you're wandering. Number two, find yourself community. Find community. Pour into it. You know, when we got detoured to Nashville... We tried a few different churches, and when we found Nashville Vineyard, for us, it was home. It was the right place that God had for us and the right people that God had for us. I am forever grateful both then and continue to be grateful for Pastor Grant's friendship, for his encouragement, for how he pours into my life. But if I hadn't pursued community, God wouldn't have been able to make that happen. And oh, how much it has meant to me. And I know it'll mean something to you. Community is a place, Christian community is a place where we can be open and honest, not only about our victories, but also about our shortcomings, about our fears, where we can go, man, I think this is the step onto dry land, but part of me sees some wet. Help me discern this. Guys, God has community for us, so seek out community. And then third, and finally, don't be afraid to wait if that's what's needed. Sometimes God has us wandering for a reason. And remember, in the wandering, to continue to praise, to sing praises, to extol the mighty name of God. God is God. He knows what he is doing. Trust that in the midst of wandering, that he will continue to be faithful to the things that he has promised, to the things that he has called you to. Because guess what? At the end of this, at the end of all of our lives, of all those thousands or millions of children of Israel, we only remember a couple's names. But God got the glory he desired. You see, at the end of our lives, it doesn't matter if people remember your name or mine. What matters is that God gets the glory from our life. And that happens as we respond to his faithfulness with faithfulness of our own. So remember, the teachings of Jesus are our guidebook for wandering well. Community is our support group as we wander. And third, by having those two things, we don't need to be afraid of the wandering God leads us into. Because even when it feels like there's an army bearing down on us and a wall of water on the other, our God is able 
And our God is faithful to split that water and provide us a path to walk through in victory. I love you, Nashville Vineyard. I'm grateful for you. And I'd like to pray for all of us as we go into this week. Lord God, we come before you knowing that you know more than we do. That you know whether we're wandering because we're sinful or we're wandering in because that's where you're leading us. Lord, help us to recognize the difference as well. We desire to be led more toward yourself and away from our sin, our brokenness, and the bondage that is behind us. Lord God, we desire to see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So help us to grow. Help us to be lights in a dark world. Lord God, we love you. We praise your name. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week. For all upcoming events and more information about the Nashville Vineyard Church, please check us out at www.nationalvineyard.org. Thank you again for listening, and we hope you have a great day.